What I'd like to talk about today is some of our priorities as an office and how I'm thinking about sustainability at UVM and how we're thinking about what's happening at the state level right now, which is a really great opportunity for our university to make some important contributions. You know, I titled my talk, The Sustainability Imperative. This is just kind of a holding slide because UVM has a great history of sustainability. We were leading the country for many years in um, signing the American University Presidents and University and College Presidents Climate Commitment. We were one of the first in the country, maybe the first university to ban bottled water. UVM has, has historically really been on the front edge of sustainability efforts. What we're finding now is that it's no longer just UVM at the front of the pack. If, if you go to a, a leading university's website, you'll often see a tab for sustainability and you know carbon neutral commitments and a new geothermal system and sustainability curriculum. So all this stuff that UVM has really led on for years has um, other universities and colleges have started to catch up. So it's critical that we both celebrate the work we already do and what we've already done and also recommit to to leadership and staying kind of, you know, I'm a runner, so I often talk about this, this as a race, trying to stay kind of at the front of the pack because the front of the pack is becoming really crowded now. And this is a really critical brand for, for UVM, not to mention a really important thing for us to lead on. And you all at the Gun Institute know that. So here's just a couple of the accolades that universities can earn now as they commit to sustainability efforts. The Princeton Review started vetting schools related to their sustainability um, efforts in 2010. There's now a list that comes out every year, the Princeton Review Green Schools list. Uh, there's a lot of top colleges that get, get listed on, on that, um, within that group. There's bike-friendly universities, there's B Campus USA, which is, of course, a um, value here at the gun. And then there's AC Stars that I'll talk about more at the end. So th these are just a few but know that universities are all kind of grappling for these accolades and they're, they're a really important thing to hold up to students and donors. And um, we wanna to continue to be mindful of the fact that there is a, this, is, this is a competitive space now. So with that in mind, we started to develop some priorities when I came in in August. I spent a lot of time listening when I came in. We had two people in the Office of Sustainability. Joya Thompson was a director and Kayla McCamp was serving as kind of an assistant in that space, we now have um, about six people that are part of the Office of Sustainability. So there's been an expansion. I was brought in to lead that group. And I heard from uh, faculty, students and staff that they wanted more from us. They wanted more connections. They wanted more communication. They wanted more action. So we're really trying to kind of ramp up, um, do more, get more people into the office that can help us achieve some goals. A big focus, I mentioned AC STARS, is continuing this work. How many of you have heard of AC STARS? You know, Sarah has, you know, a couple. So this has kind of become the standard for sustainability assessment in higher education. It stands for, I've got it there, Sustainability Tracking Assessment and Reading um, System. And this gives us a baseline for sustainability at every higher ed institution. It covers academics, operations, planning, um, those are the three main areas and then things like governance and innovation. Um, and it is a massive data collection effort. So we have Joya Thompson kind of 
point person on this and doing a lot of work to gather how we're doing on sustainability in all these different areas. And then we're awarded a score every three years. So we are in the midst of that right now. We're working to implement the facility sustainability plan. Luce Hillman is the director of facilities management. And under her, we have people in charge of energy on campus, people in charge of waste on campus, water. Um, so she's developed a comprehensive plan. We're working to help her put that into action. Uh, we're working to develop more leadership for the eco reps. This is an undergraduate group of students who are sustainability ambassadors across campus. It's an incredible group of uh, really motivated young people. And so we want to continue to bolster their learning and uh, give them increase their skill set around sustainability. Um, the Sustainable Campus Fund is how many of you have heard of this? Okay, a couple. It's a fund that you all pay into if you're a grad student. You all pay $10 per semester. This was an idea created by students to help create a funding mechanism to address initially climate change and clean energy. A few years ago, the president of SGA went to the president, currently Garamella, and said, hey, can we expand this? So that's not just energy, but it's sustainability. So for this fund, it generates about $250,000 every year. And um, few people know about it. So we're trying to kind of bring it, bring it back up and um, let the campus know that there's a, a proposal process and you can earn money for your ideas. So we'll talk a little bit more about that shortly. Um, the Sustainable Solutions Lab, I'm gonna go into that a little bit more, but we're hearing that people want more internship opportunities, more research opportunities, and the Sustainable Solutions Lab is an idea that um, we're, you know, taking right from Harvard, Stanford, Princeton, and developing a structure for how to use our campus to really dig into some good research that can then be even implemented on campus. And then finally, I mentioned the Comprehensive Sustainability Plan, which is the big focus um, of my office and what we're doing here. So when we talk about research, I mentioned the Sustainable Solutions Lab. This is an idea that we're lifting up right now and I hope to have ready for fall. Um, it's interdisciplinary, it is, uh, leverages cross-campus collaboration, there's a research component, students will get project management experience, leadership training, and we have the Sustainable Campus Fund, which is available funding for students. So if sustainability is something that you're studying, uh, there could be a, a great opportunity for you here. The best way for me to describe the Sustainable Solutions Lab is to describe a very successful project that happened over the course of the last year that has become our model. So this is a couple of pictures of salt mitigation on campus. The salt mitigation task force began meeting about a year and a half ago, comprised of a faculty member, Courtney Giles, um, a, an adjunct faculty from Extension, Chris Stepanek, who is a water quality expert, some physical plant uh, members, Matt Walker, actually salts our sidewalks, and several students. Um, and there were a bunch of other people involved along the way. What they found when they started talking was that salt is a massive issue on campus. It is wrecking our doorways. I could bring in photos of um, rusted stairwells. It's, it's causing a huge, there's a, there's a cost to us, a physical cost to the university in all this massive amount of salt, um, which we need because we're in New England and we can't have people wiping out on campus. There's also water quality implications. We live on top of a hill, at the top of, you know, at a certain point in the watershed, 
we dump salt on the campus and eventually it makes its way into Lake Champlain. So Courtney Giles researcher, Chris Stepanek got involved with Matt Walker, the physical plant um, person who's on salt mitigation. And they started to, to think about research questions. Do we need to use this much salt? Are there, are there other machines that we could use instead of the machines we currently use? Are we using the right amount of salt? So they started to test some of these ideas they asked for funding from the Sustainable Campus Fund, earned one forty thousand dollars. They just came back for another forty thousand um, dollars, and used that to buy water quality testing kits to fund internships. And this has been massively successful. So they ended up buying this thing, which is the um, Hill Tip machine, and allows us to use GPS to get the precise amount of salt needed in each of our parking lots, so that we're not you know, you've all seen on the highway um, those big kind of piles of salt when a when a truck shuts off the salt dumping process. So it really mitigates the overuse of salt, but also they're starting to test some other solutions. So do we need salt or is there something less um, less impactful that we could be using and still keep people on their feet on campus? So the, it's been hugely successful. The really cool thing is there's a research component that's very academic, but also an opportunity to change something that's happening on campus and ultimately affect what's going on in our watershed. So this is a, a great example across campus collaboration, faculty, physical plant staff, and students who are getting a, a learning experience out of this. This is what we want more of. This is what the Sustainable Solutions Lab can be. And, 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 and we hope to see um, we hope to see more of these collaborations coming forward. So this is just kind of a model where we're working on um, exactly the structure of this right now. But the idea would be that as an individual, you would come in with an idea, define some goals of the research, identify the stakeholders. What we often find is that when people come forward to the Sustainable Campus Fund or they come forward to the Office of Sustainability, they say, hey, I have this great idea for solar panels on all the roofs. How can we make that happen? Or can we get that done? What we find is that often our physical plant people, our um, staff workers are not brought into the loop early enough. Um, so we're, we're asking people to identify stakeholders earlier, create an idea document, the Sustainable Solutions Lab will be housed in the Office of Sustainability. There'll be a review process, and then it'll either be able to um, move forward, so then build out scope of work, confirm support from faculty, physical plant folks, and then bring forward a submission to the Sustainable Campus Fund. Or we'd ask you to go back to the drawing board and continue to build it out a little further. But we have a funding source. We have the potential to create um, good research questions. And essentially what we're going to try to do is create a nice structure to bring these cool ideas forward. The Salt Mitigation Task Force got, um, it's been regionally um, sort of touted. Many universities want to know what we're doing with this, how we've made these changes. Um, it was on the news. Matt Walker had a news story a couple of weeks ago. So it's it's been a huge success. And I think the success has been the cross-campus um, efforts and getting a lot of people involved at the beginning. So this is another track that is part of the Sustainable Solutions Lab. At the Office of Sustainability, we're also gonna create a research question bank. 
So there's a lot of questions that I have that others have on campus that are ripe for study. For instance, are there other landscaping practices that we could use that may be as beautiful as the mums that go in in front of Waterman every year, but maybe uh, more locally appropriate, might be um, you know, a different landscaping approach require a little less watering. So we're gonna create a research bank of questions. Some of those are gonna come out of the comprehensive sustainability plan. The idea is that an interested student or faculty member could come into this research bank, grab a question, and then we could help develop um, the scope of work, support, and then move it forward to the Sustainable Campus Fund for funding. So we become kind of the, the vector almost for um, excellent research and then helping you get to a funding spot. You know, this is something, if we have time, I'll just kind of put this, drop this seed. Um, we have a lot of work to be done in the Office of Sustainability, and I have a budget, and right now I'm working to uh, cordon off some of that budget so that we can support some graduate students. When I was a graduate, when I did my PhD here, there were like six graduate students in the Office of Sustainability that were well-funded. Um, so we're working to increase some of that and allocate some funding for more graduate students. There's a whole greenhouse gas inventory process that happens every year. There's all kinds of clean energy, interesting clean energy questions. Can we put geothermal on the Trinity campus? Um, can we do this landscaping thing? How is water quality affected by what we do up here? Can we do composting on campus? Really interesting questions that then are scalable post-graduation that are absolutely applicable to what you'll continue to do. So stay tuned for that. But um, I love the idea of, you know, maybe next year, maybe sooner, having a graduate sustainability analyst and a graduate policy um, sustainability policy researcher. There's tons of stuff happening at the state of Vermont level that we need to better understand so that we can support it and we can use what's happening up there to push forward our goals here. So more to come on that. Um, one of the things I'm really excited about, uh, not, not well, it's becoming a strategic priority, is more partnership with the division of DEI on campus. I don't know how many of you were able to attend the Inclusive Excellence Symposium, but this was a new partnership for the Office of Sustainability and the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Um, we had some great speakers, Majora Carter, um, middle there, middle top. It's one of my heroes for, for years and years, um, really uh, helped me understand environmental justice. You know, like 12 years ago, she was talking about it. Um, Cody Two Bears is a renewable energy expert on indigenous land and how that affects indigenous communities. So anyway, this was a very, very cool new thing for us and it's something I was proud of and, and you'll see more of. Um, other partnerships, we often partner with the Center for Teaching and Learning. Um, we're doing stuff with the Office of Engagement. We're doing some outreach to Vermont Gas Systems who has a new um, Renewable, uh, renewable natural gas portfolio that we need to figure out how to leverage for our climate goals. Um, Vermont uh, Land Trust is another organization. So there's a lot of great opportunities for the, for the Office of Sustainability to get support across, uh, across the state of Vermont. This is an event coming up on Monday that I just wanna plug. Steve Posner, your own Steve Posner will be um, our facilitator and our moderator. We'll be talking with the state of Vermont. Jane Lazorchak has been leading the Global Warming Solutions Act efforts at the Agency of Natural Resources. Leslie Andapigny-Giroux is a Gund Fellow. 
She's a state climatologist. She's just an incredible, um, incredible person to have on our campus. We'll also be there. And I'll be talking about the comprehensive sustainability plan. The goal is to find synergies and opportunities for us to be really mutually supportive. It's really critical that UVM understands what's happening at the state of Vermont so that we can um, be effective, effective allies. Measurement. So I want to spend the last few minutes um, talking about ACE stars and how we measure sustainability at UVM and then how that's going to play into the comprehensive sustainability plan. So ACE stars uh, was created in 2010. Most, I mean, most, I think I could say most institutions in higher ed that um, that, that feature prominently in academic conversations are doing something around AG stars or trying to evaluate how they're doing on sustainability. And then every three years, reevaluating how they're doing. It also kind of gives you a roadmap. This is a very robust open source tracking system, massive effort for UVM to do this every year, but really important provides a measuring stick. Um, it's the source of the Princeton Review rankings, and it's connected to the U, uh, UN Sustainable Development Goals. So this is kind of the standard for measuring how we're doing. This is how we're doing. Uh, this is in 2020. So these points are the points we earned out of um, the points possible, which are indicated by the gray area. So as you can see, there's academics. UVM has a sustainability general education requirement, which I think we were the first in the country, one of the first in the country to implement this. Uh, so we do pretty well on academics. We have a really sustainability-minded faculty here. Students want to learn about sustainability in their coursework. Um, engagement is how well are we doing on outreach? How are we doing uh, related to community service? I'm going to break this down a little further here in a minute. Operations, you can see we've, we've got some, some work to do. There's some huge opportunities around what kind of energy sources we're using. Um, whether we have a sustainability plan, um, we'll look at it a little further, but you know, this is water, waste, and then planning and administration. So is, is sustainability in our strategic planning efforts? Is it in the, um, the planning and administration is also related to investments, governance. So you can see that when we did this in 2020, we earned gold. Platinum is the highest rating that you can earn. There's like seven or eight colleges that have earned platinum. Uh, University of Colorado is one. I think American University has earned platinum. Oh, University of New Hampshire has earned platinum. It's very, very difficult. Um, so we'll see, but gold is solid. Uh, and there's some, some big opportunities for us. So when you drill down a little bit into what this looks like, you'll see the, the criteria here and how we're evaluating ourselves. We're working on this piece right now. What do our students know about sustainability? Does it change after they've had coursework at UVM? Um, research and scholarship, this is an interesting one. And I looked into this a little bit because uh, in coming to the GUND, one of the, oh, one of the key pieces of the research is open access to research. So does UVM host an open access database for research? Um, and my understanding is that we don't. Research and scholarship, some of that, some of that could be accurate accounting. So I'm actually gonna, gonna say this to you, Amy. At some point, somebody is gonna come to you and ask you how much research you do related to sustainability. Almost everything that happens at the gun could be called sustainability research. 
maybe everything, maybe I can even say that. Um, so we wanna make sure that we're getting accurate numbers there because I think there is, I suspect that we might be doing better on this credit than is demonstrated here. And part of that is just collecting accurate data. So hopefully the GUND will find some time to um, answer that question when it comes to you or near you or <laughs> Taylor, make sure this question gets answered because it's, um, it's really hard to get these points and, and they make a difference in our overall point score. Uh, so there's a, there's a picture of academics, um, engagement. What do you notice? Where are the opportunities? Yeah, I was, I was kind of, when I was preparing for this, I looked at the slide again and I just thought, wow, that's, we need to figure that one out. Yeah, huge opportunity there for us to do more as a university. So what are we doing around community service? How many students are involved in community service? How many hours are committed to really giving back to our surrounding community and giving back to the state of Vermont? Um, in, that could be an, like an accounting issue as well on that, like that is, it seems a little low. It seems very low. Yeah, it could be. I mean, these this data is only as, as accurate as the people who were asked to answer these questions. So it's certainly possible. And I can take that question to Kaylin. But it's also my understanding that that's only, that community service with that definition is only happening in a couple of key places on campus, a couple of specific places on campus. So yeah, something to look into a little further. Yeah, so that's what that looks like. And here again, actually public policy. Gund is heavily involved in public policy. So I guess I'm also making, I'm both pointing out some problems and making a, um, a plea for getting all, all of our ducks counted. Operations, this one gets pretty interesting. As I pointed out, uh, we've got some, some opportunities there and some gaps. Greenhouse gas emissions is the obvious one that points out, that pops out to me, building energy efficiency. In the comprehensive sustainability plan, we're really trying to bring energy efficiency out first. The cheapest, um, cleanest source of energy is the energy we don't use. So are we really doubling down on energy efficiency where we can? I'm frankly not confident that we always are. Um, and this is kind of near and dear to my heart. The EIC is the parent company of Efficiency Vermont. It's my old, my old um, company. And I think we often overlook energy efficiency for like the flashy, cool geothermal thing. Um, so we just, as an institution, we need to make sure that we're really leaning into that. Um, clean and renewable energy, we could do more there. Our central heating and cooling plant is, you know, it's our main source of energy on campus and it's, it's run by natural gas and, and some number two oil. So we've got some work to do there. And of course that all leads up to what our greenhouse gas emissions look like. Um, in addition, we could do more around food and beverage pur purchasing, local, organic, um, and then waste minimization and diversion. And then finally, um, We've got uh, opportunities to do more around sustainability planning. So the comprehensive sustainability plan will address this gap um, directly. We right now, there's a lot of great things happening across campus, but they're a little bit ad hoc. Things are happening over here and over here. And isn't this great? Well, we got funding for this, but what we need is kind of a roadmap and a plan. So that's what we're working to create. Um, we could do more around sustainable investments. This really is related to um, we had not divested from fossil fuels at this point. 
So that number may change or that credit may change when we go back in and resubmit next year, 2023. Um, but also we don't, oh, this one, we don't disclose um, how we're invested. UDM does not make that publicly available. So there's an opportunity there, employee compensation. This one's very uh, prescient topic right now. Livable wage um, is, is a concern. And that one, I, I don't know about the details on that one. That's a little concerning. Um, okay, so that's kind of how we're doing, how, where we're at in terms of our baseline, where, you know, we have moved up. We started doing this in 2017. We earned, I think it was about 10 points from 2017 to 2020. And then hopefully in 2023, our points will go up again with the intention of making progress on sustainability. This is you know, one way to measure. It's not the only way, but it's a really, it's a very robust, everything we put in there is public. You can go in, you can drill down, anybody can um, on the ASU STARS website. The Comprehensive Sustainability Plan is going to incorporate all of these opportunities and create a roadmap for sustainability at UVM. So we're developing a plan to guide sustainability with short and long-term goals. This is, um, I report to Luce Hillman, the Director of Facilities Management, but also to Richard Kate, the Vice President for Facilities and Administration. He, of course, reports to the President. So this is an initiative that is, um, you know, on the radar screen of the President. I presented to the Board of Trustees in the fall talking about what we're doing. This is very important to the university. The short and long-term goals that are achievable and within the financial capacity of the institution. So this is really, um, pretty specific language. Higher education is everywhere undergoing uh, massive changes, a lot of uh, a financial, an environment of financial constraint in general, and UVM is no different. So we're trying to think about the, the finances of the things that this group is going to recommend. Um, and ultimately, we're supporting the, trying to amplify what we already do, and then supporting a healthy environment and healthy societies. This language is right from President Garamella's um, statement about what his vision statement for the University of Vermont. So what exactly is it going to look like? Um, we're going to be developing three, maybe four themes that kind of map across the plan that represent sort of our values. Uh, for sustainability at UVM, six to seven areas of focus, something like that, waste, energy buildings, that's what I'm talking about there, feasible and measurable goals, and completion by fall. So this is the work group. It's an incredible group. We've got one of the members right here in our midst. Um, it's just this incredible group of thinkers and people who are committed to um, doing doing excellent work at a high level. We've been meeting almost weekly since it started in February, every other week. Uh, we have representation from the grad students, the GUND, of course, um, faculty, staff, administration. So, um, you know, Sara, of course, is, is um, part of this community here and I know would be open to your input. I'm gonna ask for it specifically at the end. Um, so the group has developed kind of a vision and I've, I've gone through a lot of these already. This is one that I haven't pointed out explicitly yet, but I have referenced the Global Warming Solutions Act and the Vermont, the initial Vermont Climate Action Plan is gonna be an important guiding document for us as we come up with these goals. Ultimately, as the premier research university in Vermont, we wanna make sure that we're supporting those efforts. So, that, so that's another key overarching theme for us. 
And we want to use in-house data analysis where possible. So I think we're going to bring in VEIC to do some financial modeling for us. But we also have some students who will be working with us over the summer. Maybe there's some opportunities for some gun students uh, to do some of the um, some of the analysis in some components of the plan. And this this last one, actually, this is this is something Sara has really brought to this group, and the group has found a lot of um, has kind of been really resonant as an idea. This idea of circularity and waste minimization from the front end, or what in the energy world we call, might call upstream. Thinking about how we're sourcing products, anything that comes onto campus, where is it coming from? What is uh, what is it made of, and how can we reduce impact there so that we're reducing waste at the end? How do you, Sara? Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> I'm working on how to define this because it's, it's a new concept to me. Um, and of course, Sara's expertise is in food systems. And, um, you know, of course, you can think about circularity really clearly when you think about the food system. Right. <laughs> I've given this, I've given this, you know, similar, I'm talking about circularity a little bit. People say, could you define that further? So I've had to get a little bit more uh, specific and concise and clear. So this is our timeline. We are on track right now, which gives me a lot of um, pleasure to say that. We are in this phase where we're asking for input. Has anybody seen the survey, the feedback survey? Good, okay, same too. Um, so I'm gonna flash it up for the rest of you at the end of this, but we really wanna hear from the community. We have just, you know, the intellectual resources on this campus blow me away and we wanna hear what you're thinking about. We will read all of the comments. We're gonna ask if there's anything that's missing um, and there's anything that, that you think we need to think about a little deeper. Hopefully we have something ready for release in August. That's the goal, at least an initial plan. And so we're really borrowing from the state of Vermont here. They titled their climate action plan, initial climate action plan. That's like what the title is on the document. This plan is not gonna be a static thing. It's going to need to be revisited. It's going to be iterative. It will change over time. So we want a really solid first plan this fall. Here's some of the supporting resources that we're using to guide our thinking. I've mentioned all of these actually, um, but just so you know kind of, kind of what the intellectual foundation of this work is. Um, we're borrowing from some other universities. University of Virginia released their sustainability plan last year. We think it's a really solid, concise description of, of what they're going to be doing. Um, and to this end, we've got some draft themes and draft topics that we're going to be exploring. So, you know, maybe when we get to the question and answer part, you, you all can, I'm happy to hear your feedback on this, and this is part of what the survey is about. But uh, resilience, education, and health and well-being are three topics that for the work group feel like themes that should be embedded across the plan and really represent the values of the University of Vermont. Um, and then the circularity piece is, is a new theme that's being talked about more in this work group. And maybe it's an overarching theme or maybe it's uh, um, something that's embedded down in, under food, for instance, kind of more of a strategy. And we, the work group is working on that right now. In terms of focus areas, this is a draft of, um, what we've come up with. So decarbonization or climate and energy probably needs to have its kind of own focus area and its own um, bucket because there's a lot there. There's transportation is within that. What are we doing on our buildings? What are our energy sources? 
We've got operations down here. Purchasing, of course, um, often gets overlooked, but is, is critical for sustainability efforts on campus and connects back to the circularity piece. Where are things coming from? Um, how are we sourcing the products that end up here? Um, landscaping, stormwater management, of course, is a big issue on our campus. Uh, research and learning, and then governance and people. Workforce development is something that we've just started to talk about, but that's a section of the Vermont Climate Action Plan. How are we preparing uh, Vermont for an aging workforce, for a new American workforce, for people with English as a second language? What are we doing as the research academic institution in the state to support these efforts? It's hugely important for Vermont. So here's our next steps. Um, we're in wide survey distribution. We'll be hearing from some faculty coming up here in the next few weeks who have expertise in specific areas. Uh, Leslie Andapigny Giroux is gonna be talking to us. Bindu Conacher, who's done a lot of work on environmental justice is gonna be talking to us. There'll be a few review processes and then there'll also be the development of goals and indicators. That's a crucial piece. So, um, I guess, wow, I'm at my last slide, which is right on time. So I have questions for you and then I have a, a survey at the end, but um, I guess to go back to this, I'm going to, at the end of this, I'm gonna put up a link to a survey and I've already already mentioned that um, we really want your input. Um, the Gund is you know, full of sustainability experts and we're talking about you know, broadly sustainability. So I hope that you'll take, it's a five minute survey, take uh, some time to weigh in on what we're doing. And that does it for my slides. Yeah, I have a question. So you mentioned that the university has a partnership with Vermont Gas Systems and that you're gonna be using renewable natural gas to move towards climate solutions. So curious if you could talk more about that. And the reason it piqued my interest is because I thought that renewable natural gas was just kind of like a brand you put on uh, like a non-sustainable energy source by the oil and gas industry. So I'm curious, like how UVM is planning to use that. Yeah, yeah, thanks for um, the question. I should clarify, we have, I would say it's more of a burgeoning partnership. We're talking to them. They're, a, you know, a local um, gas company that is sources our gas for us. And they're doing a lot of work across the state to increase the use of renewable natural gas. So I'd say it's more of a burgeoning partnership. And I would say that, we have not committed to using renewable natural gas at all at this point. It's a conversation that we're having and we're trying to learn more about it. I suspect that it needs to be part of our solution, um, but I don't know how, I don't know how much, I don't know when. So I wanna kind of back up out of that statement if I, if I was unclear. But to your point, the, the thing, the project that I'm inspired by um, was developed with Middlebury College and Vermont Gas Systems down near Middlebury College, Vermont Gas Systems um, was able to identify a working farm with a lot of methane available. The methane is, and I'm learning about this right now, but the methane is captured and essentially injected into the natural gas um, product so that part of it becomes this um, part of the energy source in the natural gas pipeline then is actually generated by methane from farms. Uh, then uh, they were able to find a capital investor who was able to build a pipeline from this farm to Middlebury College. And so now Middlebury College is using some renewable natural gas to achieve climate goals. Um, so I, I think there's, 
um, you know, natural gas is, is part of how UVM is running its systems. Um, if there's an opportunity to reduce the climate impacts by capturing some methane that would be released into the atmosphere, I think it's an interesting interesting solution for us to look at. Again, I think it would be only part of what we're looking at. Maybe it's that alongside, you know, more solar installations or geothermal or um, it, buying carbon offsets, for instance. But it's something that we're learning about. Vermont Gas Systems has been a really good partner. They're um, working hard to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions, I think, by 40 percent um, by 2040. And if any of you are, are watching policy closely right now, the clean heat standard, which is moving through the Senate right now at the state of Vermont is going to um, be very influential in how we're all thinking about the use of natural gas. So there's a lot more to learn. It's just one of the actors that is doing some, you know, pretty interesting stuff. It's still a fossil fuel company, no question, but um, there's some interesting people over there, formerly of Efficiency Vermont. So are trying to help Vermont gas systems think about things and um, bring on, lean into clean energy where they can. So I think it's an, it's an interesting conversation for us to be part of. So John Erickson is asking from online, thank you so much for the update. Where does UVM's carbon commitment pledge with second nature stand? Are we still committed to meeting net zero goals for scope one, two, and three emissions? If so, when will the next greenhouse gas inventory be available? The next greenhouse gas inventory, we just signed the, well, we're in the process of signing the contract with the, um, the consulting firm that does our greenhouse gas inventory for us. So it'll be available probably in the fall, I think is when they'll be able to complete that. You know, I think on the carbon commitment, UVM is absolutely committed to being a leader on climate change and reducing our greenhouse gas emissions. We're looking at that question in the creation of the Comprehensive Sustainability Plan right now. We absolutely have to tackle reducing our greenhouse gas emissions, and we need to have clear, measurable goals that will move us forward. So I think, you know, as I said, UVM has always been a leader. I think, you know, the past few years, there's been a lot of conversations. Well, what are we doing? What aren't we doing? When are we doing it? And we're working to get our hands around that right now. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult situation to, um, to not have something really clear to say. I think what's happening at the state of Vermont is going to give us some good opportunities to make some clearer statements about where we're at and what we're committed to. I really appreciate all of you talks today. It's really nice to see the run through of the stars kind of scores, and it's nice that all that is kind of public and available. And you mentioned kind of that UVM has these kind of financial constraints that it's thinking about. Um, and so it kind of seems like maybe is the stars process kind of a way of, of showing students and potential potential students that this is you know a school that cares about sustainability and its way of kind of demonstrating that. So I was wondering if if you think there's any you know things in that document that or, or things that you think are important for the university uh, sustainability, but that maybe aren't part of that STARS metric that you think are still important for the university to undertake, um, but might be kind of under undervalued because they're not part of that, that metric. Or maybe they're ones that maybe students or other people can show support for and then, then kind of give the university the, the reason to do those sorts of things. I don't know if that makes sense and maybe you can't answer it. Um, no, I can't. I'm just thinking about the incentives that the university has. And I know 
as I said, I, I definitely see kind of that these there's a lot, there's a big profit motivation. So kind of what are the ways that that fits into there's a big what a profit motivation oh. or you know in a, a financial well, incentives. Yeah, and there's it's a it's kind of a um it's a it's a little bit of a beast to move a university. Exactly, you know? it's a yeah, massive absolutely. organization to get kind of everybody. My husband's a rower, get the boat turned <laughs> and get everybody rowing in the same direction at the same speed, at the same, you know, stroke rating, all that. It's a beast. It's really difficult. And um, I'm reminded of that every day. And I kind of love the difficulty of it. It's just all these little conversations that need to happen to, to get a, a decision made. You know, STARS is, is, is you, if we were to go into the technical manual, you'd be surprised perhaps at how comprehensive it is. It, I mean, environmental justice is in there. Um, details on investments are in there. They are really working hard to stay ahead of the sustainability um, wave. And, and in fact, we're going to be submitting to, I think it's like technical manual 2.2 and there is technical manual, I don't know, 2.3 or three in development right now. So there's going to be a new set of parameters and indicators and goals because, because universities are, are stepping up. They're saying, okay, we're, that's how you get platinum. Great. We're going to do that. Um, so stars needs to continue to kind of push us all to, um, to do more, invest more, plan more. That said, you know, I think, I think for UVM, because of everything I've already said, um, having some placed based solutions that are of Vermont mm -hmm. that are, I think that's going to be really important for us. That's, I don't, that's not captured anywhere in stars that I've seen. I think that needs to be part of our strategy. And, and we're kind of in this, this great political moment that the university of Vermont is, or uh, Vermont, the state of Vermont is trying to really step forward. And there's lots of things you can say about the climate action plan and where it falls short and all this, but um, it does give us an opportunity to say, look what's happening over there. We, we have to, we have to find some ways somehow where there's some synergy to support this. So I think whatever we do needs to be, you know, how do we invest in this state to support the people in the state, the thinkers in the state, and, 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 and the, the really critical role this university has, um, and not just the state regionally in New England, but that's what I'd answer. Yeah, thanks. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about, um, I know UVM isn't like in its own little bubble. So like we have to get our energy from the utilities and I know like the composting facilities, you know, not accepting uh, containers anymore. So that kind of affects how UVM is able to kind of reach these goals. So how does the university kind of work in partnership with those other organizations to kind of, you know, lift everybody up? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I can be totally specific there, but um, you know, the, the composting thing that you reference is that's been a, a real challenge. Apparently, um, Green Mountain Compost was one of the only composting systems in the country at that time that was that was taking so a lot of this compostable material. Um, this just the fact that they stopped taking this material while it was a shock to us and, and we were really disappointed by it. Apparently this is, this is not unique or unusual in any way. Um, I do wonder, you know, are, are there ways that UVM can test ideas like composting? Can we bring composting 
on campus somewhere, build out a, some kind of small system that then can be scalable elsewhere. So broadly to your question, I think this is where the Sustainable Campus Fund really comes in. How can we use our campus and the intellectual power we have here to create smaller ideas that then have relevance elsewhere? And the Sustainable Campus Fund is actually looking at a proposal right now to um, potentially bring, bring a small uh, project for composting onto campus on one of our farms. You know, same thing with um, methane capture. You know, how can UVM be a place where we're piloting ideas that are then um, relevant elsewhere? That's kind of what's happening with the Salt Mitigation Task Force. It's been this little pilot, and we're getting calls from all over New England, really, saying, hey, can, can we use this in our, at our university? Could we use this in our city? We need to understand more. So generally, how can we, you know, the, the answer to how can we support is, um, I think we can, we can test ideas here and then, and then that, are, that have relevance elsewhere. Thank you so much for your talk. Um, so you were saying before about how many challenges you face running such a large university with all the stakeholders involved. I just want to know how you stay motivated when you have so much responsibility to all these different people and partnerships and um, with so many responsibilities. <laughs> Thanks for that question. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, I'll, since that was a very personal question, I'll, I'll share that, you know, when I was in grad school, I started studying climate change and was just, just massively overwhelmed by the challenge. Just went through probably a year or two of like really um, blown away by what we were up against. And at that time, um, had had you know was 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 mentally even kind of kind of struggling like how what this doesn't even make any sense and at that time it became really crucial for me to um create some practices for myself frankly i'm i'm a diligent daily outside runner that's like critical for my mind state um i at that point realized that cultivating healthy supportive relationships was crucial um um things like a meditation practice i mean things you all know these these have become critical parts of how i operate every day um and i think i think that's that's kind of that's that's the stabilizing force in terms of how i stay motivated i think all of that stuff really contributes to to a um a solid kind of inner life and physical health that lets me get up sleep sleep so important. I have a new baby at home, so that one's getting <laughs> a little bit right now. But um, and then and then kind of existentially, like what side of history do I want to be on? You know, I, I think any of us who do this work really have to think hard about why we're doing it and come back to the why consistently, or we'll just get um, we'll get totally overwhelmed and demotivated and frankly ineffective. Um, it's really important to me that I don't become cynical because I know I won't be as effective as if I'm cynical. And all of that stuff that I just talked about helps keep me kind of upright, really clear. Where, do, where does my energy need to go? What do I need to let go of so that I can keep doing the work that I care a lot about? Um, yeah, it's just, it's kind of, it's become like my mission. I just, I just want to do, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to be asked some hard questions by, by the, the next generation. What were you doing then? You know, so it's like lots of existential stuff. 
journaling. <laughs> I mean, you all know all the tricks, but somehow creating structures in your life, habits that keep that there, or it just, it all goes sideways. It can go sideways so quickly when you're in this field. That stuff is really, it's more important than getting a lot done. It's more important than being four hours productive every day or whatever, you know? That's the stuff that keeps you productive in the long term, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I would say like you're changing attitudes, you're making inroads, you're changing culture, like that stuff takes time, but that's what leads to changing policies, which change practices, which makes a difference. And that's all really important. So thank you. Um, so I would, I, I do have a question about the, like this idea of circularity, I find really interesting because I actually kind of see that as a synonym for sustainability, mm. like this kind of circularity, like sustainable. Um, and people also bring up uh, sustainability as a synonym for equity and justice as well. So the partnership with the DEI office, I find really interesting um, in terms of the, um, the metrics that you're being measured on. Like people think of sustainability largely in terms of environmental context. And I think a lot of the stuff you're talking about are, are environment related, uh, but I see that you're also, like the UVM is also measured on like employee um, compensation um, and some other things that are probably outside of the purview of an office of sustainability. So I, I guess I'm just wondering how you, um, how you deal with that tension of kind of being responsible for this larger sustainability plan, not all of which is like some of, some of it, they, like particularly the HR stuff seems outside of your purview. So I'm just wondering how you negotiate that tension. Um, I'm trying to bring it into my purview, <laughs> honestly, because um, I'm going to take that question and I'm going to kick circularity to Sarah. I almost asked you to present with me. I knew there would be questions on circularity. Um, so I'm glad you're here. Um, but, you know, on that first piece, I thought it would be too elementary for this crew, but sustainability has always been from day one about three legs of the stool, right? environmental sustainability, social sustainability, or equity, and economic sustainability. The economic piece, you know, there's, there's universities and colleges closing everywhere right now. That is real. Um, but also a livable wage is an economic piece. That is real. Um, so, so we need to consider that. But the social piece, it's always been about um, how does the how do environmental impacts affect people? It's both. It's not just how our climate is affected. It's when the climate changes, who's affected, who's not, who's less affected, where do they live, what are their lives like? So we, to me, that's, um, you know, that's why this environmental, the fact that we're starting to talk about this more is really important. Environmental justice, energy justice, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, who's at the table informs what decisions are made about the environment. So, um, we need to be talking about it that way at UVM. We need to be addressing the environmental piece and the social piece, um, and we need to have an understanding of that. Uh, and it's up to me and my office to help articulate that and talk about it. Um, so that's, I, I think, gets to, to what you were saying there. Um, and in terms of circularity, you said that you think that's synonymous with uh, sustainability. 
at least partially that I mean that's you mentioned it and that's the first time I'm thinking about it right yeah. now um, yeah that's an that's an interesting comment sorry what did that one? Sure. yeah I think it's I think it's a really cool thing that a lot of people are hearing circularity from different uh, perspectives I think the easy way to think about it is that we're currently um in a, sort of an extractive and linear based process if we think about we take make waste and there's not really a, a thought to where um you know get the that it's just infinite, these resources that we are just extracting, that there is no sort of end point to that. And we know that that's not true. And the idea of circularity is really a regenerative um, concept and sort of trying to mimic natural processes where all sort of waste or byproduct from one part of the process feeds in as an input for, for another part of the process. So for food, for example, it's um, it's a it kind of, you know, you can, the circular economy, if you've heard, is um, you can apply that to any sector really, but for food where I'm, I'm focused is, you know, we're, we're thinking about instead of um, at when, when something is, is, you know, grown and then food is being um, like used and then we're thinking about food waste, for example, we don't want to um, food waste and landfill is sort of the last, the last thing that we want to, to be happening. We want at every stage for things to be repurposed, regenerated, sort of re rethought, and sort of just put, put back into the system. So sustainability is sort of uh, sustaining. Uh, I like I like sustainability, but the idea of regeneration is more sort of the focus of circularity. That there are so many steps that are happening to keep resources flowing in a circle, rather than sort of an endpoint where it just kind of dies at the end. So that's that's really the the concept of circularity that can be. I think um, applied on on so many levels, but yeah, I think sustainability is a goal. But what are we trying to sustain? Is mm -hmm. is, is the is the question? So mm -hmm. if we're not sustaining a bad system. We're trying to sustain like the most regenerative and the most um, um, circular system I think possible, and 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 designing waste out of it. So not thinking about um, you know waste as even an option. By design, so it really takes a lot of sort of strategic planning to for all sort of sectors to think about how to design waste out of the question. So it's maybe it's sort of we could think of it as aspirational and and much more practical in some contexts and aspirational in others. Um, it's an interesting point, Amy, and I would point us all to. Does anybody remember that book, Cradle to Grave? Yeah, like in, yeah, that was that was kind of that was a um, it explored this idea of circularity and the book was made of materials that then can decompose over time. So it was not only were they exploring the idea, but they were kind of presenting an, an opportunity. I think it's it's a it's an interesting kind of mental model for us to work with. I think it'd be it'd be difficult to implement into every component of a sustainability plan, mm -hmm. but as a mental model, it's um, I think it's really interesting.